do like a, a little intro, a couple words about yourself, and then a little bit about the company as well. So I'm Anna Ribeiro, the creator and creative director of Pixel Ripped. Um, and yeah, we are together with Avery. We focus on VR and mixed reality or immersive experience. So we have been in, I have been working with VR for 10 years now. And I met Avery and the Avery company had been like for five years in the industry. We're based in Brazil. And uh, I partnered with them uh, back in 2017, and then we released it together, Pixel Rip 1989. And then the partnership has been going so well, and then we released it, Pixel Rip 1995, in the middle of the pandemic. And now we are in the third episode, 1978. So yeah, um, it's going well. <laughs> so can you do like a little intro? Sure. Uh about yourself and what do you do at Atari? Sure, so uh, my name is Ethan Stearns and I'm uh, the head of publishing for the games group at Atari. And I'm, you know, act, in addition to just managing all of the publishing activities for our group, I also you know, do a bit of executive producer work across all our games and interact with our developers like um, Arvory on the Pixel Rip franchise. So what is Atari up to uh, these days, like especially in terms of gaming? Because this is such a huge brand. with an incredible history. Mm -hmm. Tell all our listeners about like what's going on with it right now. Yeah, so you know we're really trying to come back into the PC and console market um, and bring great games out, games that like celebrate, uh, you know, the retro enthusiasts and all of us. The the sort of uh, we oftentimes think of ourselves as caretakers for the brand of Atari. Uh, we, you know, we've all come in here and we 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 love Atari and and I think we love what Atari means to the industry. And so we're trying to do right by that and bring out a lot of cool games that are both like sometimes very classic in their connection to the the IPs in the world of Atari, and then and then also games like Pixel Ripped that are doing something really new and innovative uh, in story and in design, but are also still like love letters to that retro nostalgia that we all kind of have for for video games. So uh, uh, yeah, Atari is making games. That is what we're doing. You know, there are different parts of Atari that have business and you know, we, we have some hardware that we do. And so we're making collectible um, Atari 2600 carts and we have some licensing stuff that the company does, and um, and yeah, so we're we're doing a bunch of different stuff. I, I focus on on the games. So tell me a little bit about the game that you're bringing to the GDC this year, and what are these kind of like peculiarities that make it so unique? So um, Pixel Rift is a series, uh, and this is the third episode we are releasing, and we we release it Pixel every every episode is about the history of gaming. And uh, we like to say it's a love letter to the gaming industry. And uh, we we released a picture of 1989, which was about uh, the Game Boy. So the release of the Game Boy was 1989. 1995 was about the 16-bit. And uh, Sega Genesis against Nintendo era, the PlayStation 1 was released. And 1978 is actually the first episode we go back in time. So everyone was expecting we go forward. Um, in 1970 is the only episode we show the origins of the franchise, how Pixel Ripped, which is also the game, the name of the game inside our world, 
really matter. Uh, when Pixel Rip was created, and it was inside Atari. So, um, and this is um, the first episode we go back and show the origins, and it had to be with Atari. Also, because it's the third game, uh, there's many things we wanted to do before we couldn't. There is a big feature we had to cut on the second uh, episode, which was uh, the ability to walk around it and move as Dot in first person, have her powers. And we wanted to do this in 1995. We had to cut it out. It was The game was too big already. So the team was really sad because we had to cut this out. And it was actually good because... Um, w um, when we released night when we started in 1978, we were like, okay, this needs to be the main feature because uh, when we saw all the reviews of 1995, or most of the reviews are like positive, but they would have this comment, it's a really good game, but I wish it could be Dot. I wish I could explore the world in first person, talk to NPCs, have a combat, and we all like, yes, we also wanted to. It was. So frustrating, and then this was the main feature we had, and this became like the biggest difference of the game in comparison to the previous game, Pixel Rip games. Um, before you would be passively inside the game world, just as a cutscene moment, and now it's a uh, another game. Like we also, <laughs> like we're crazy. Like we already had the platform game that you're pre playing inside the game, and the VR world that you have to interact and deal with to complete the game. And now we're giving players the ability to go inside the 2D game in first person 3D and then do things, combats, and then affect that world so you can go back to the real world and progress in the 2D game. It's really hard to, to explain. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have an opportunity to play a little bit, so hopefully I will. Yeah, hopefully when you play, you understand, but that is many dimensions. And then we build one more. It's just, we felt like we had to do kind of like a twist and uh, innovate because it's the third episode and okay, we, we didn't want to just do the same formula over and over, that you're playing a game and being distracted by humans and to complete that game. We wanted to make it bigger. And uh, also something really good about it, uh, this is the first time uh, we're doing a partnership with a real company, with Atari, and we're able to actually make the game not just uh, also feature and have Atari, you're inside Atari, not a fake company, and you have a 2,600, but we are able to make a much bigger game. When we partnership, it was, um, we were in a year of development already, and we had cut out a lot of things from the game, and the game would be the same size of the previous episodes, around like three hours, three hours-ish. And when we partnership, we, we were able to add, um, make a much bigger game, and now we're, we're around like five to eight hours, depending on the player. So this is the biggest game we've done in the franchise. And I think um, this is also because of Atari. And, and uh, it was really cool that they super open for us to um, be creative, uh, with the, have the freedom to um, use their RPs. We're like super worried. Like, can, can, we, can we broke the cartridge of Food Fight? Because <laughs> I have this moment that the developer is fixing bugs in the game. And, and then she, a friend comes and like, could you fix this? And there's like food fight and it's all full of bugs flying around and you're hitting them and you're playing food fight in the screen. So we kind of worry, like, can we, can we break this? <laughs> um, and this is super fun. Yeah, go for it. It's, uh, it, it, they respect it, that we also have our game design and it's, and Pixarip is not a historical uh, book. It's, um, Pixarip didn't exist on Atari. Um, 
and it's all about recreating that feeling of the error, but not being super accurate. Like it, it was never like a historical lesson. Um, and I think it was really cool that Atari was super open when respect our creativity freedom. <laughs> so how does Atari work with uh, game developers in terms of like, how does your, you know, do you do ref share? When do you want to start working? Do you start working on when it's like almost finished? Or like way early on, like, do you bring in your like, uh, you know, producing capabilities? Do you help out in some way outside of just kind of like distribution and go to market? Yeah, so I, I think it's a little of all the above what you mentioned. I mean, we, we're very much a traditional game publisher. So uh, oftentimes that means that we're coming in with financing to help support the creation of the game. In addition, we provide a lot of other capabilities that allow the developers to uh, focus on just making their game so we can focus on the things that help uh, um, you know if it's localization or porting or QA or other services to help the game be finished so that the developers can focus on the things that they're doing and then and then really our biggest job is um, dealing with distribution so uh, getting the game through all the different storefronts uh, doing the best we can to make sure that that that's the best looking product on those platforms it can be uh, as well as marketing and PR and other things we do to try to, you know, bring more eyeballs onto that onto that game. So it's a very traditional, I mean, and then sort of the business of it is always different. It always kind of depends on, on um, different elements of what those games are. Sometimes we get games and they are further along. Like I had mentioned, they had been working on the game for a year when we started working uh, on, on Pixel Rip with them. Uh, and we looked at that, we look at that as like a partnership in a lot of ways like we want to come in on on the game with them that's their game and uh help them find success in that game invest in their success for that game um and then we have other time titles sometimes where it's like it's a powerpoint deck or an idea that someone had on a napkin at a restaurant and uh you know that'll be the kernel of the beginning of that idea and then of course has to develop more into a structured project um but yeah so it kind of is all over the place but we're just trying to find great creators who really love that nostalgic concept for like retro games or that feel like they're part of the fabric of Atari games um, and do what we can to support their success. You, you've been in VR for a while now, right? So it's, uh, it's been like 10 years. How do you think this uh, direction and area changed over the years? Has it become more kind of like there's more competition, less competition, more platforms, less platforms, because probably v VR train uh, has been going for just as long as, uh, you know, 80 level has been going. And we've seen ups and downs and, you know, ups again. Like, where are we now in this uh, journey? I feel like if we compare to the mobile industry, there's an industry we know. Uh, I would say we are still waiting for the first iPhone. We are in that moment that it's kind of close. We know it's going to go well. I have like, okay, Blueberry, all those phones, but like, um, we, we don't have that hit, uh, massive, uh, adoption that we are expecting, like the iPhone had. So I see, I feel like we are on that curve. Uh, we know it's VR is gonna, it's gonna stay. It's not like that moment in the beginning when we're like, it's like the wild, wild west and we're like uh, surviving the wave is this gonna actually last. Uh, when and we had a lot of uh, moments in the industry. There was this hype, uh, overhype, like 2016, 
when the first Oculus was released and then the hype was like kind of going down and then we're kind of going through these uh, phases. But I think after pandemic, especially after the Quest 2, we are now, we now finally have a market. We have, uh, we have been uh, before like looking for investment and need investments to survive. But now we are finally in a moment that we have a market and we are okay with the project. We're actually like fine. And we established now uh, with the company, with the projects that we're not even like, oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, we're here to stay. It's like finally the moment that we're like, yeah, we have a market, we have platforms, we have a, um, the industry is here. And before it was kind of like the wild, wild west. It felt like uh, <laughs> the consoles were like kind of figuring out. So uh, the first headsets, um, if you remember the Vive and the first Five and the other first uh, Oculus, and they all had like a kind of different controllers. So it was really hard to work with. Uh, we kind of had to like do different designs in the game for each platform, totally different controllers, buttons. Some uh, we couldn't even make the game for because there was no joystick or no buttons and we could actually port the game. Um, so nowadays, you, we're finally in the moment that for developers, we, we had a much easier port between the, the platforms because not just the engine like Unity and Unreal, they, they'll have this e much easier ports for multiple platforms, but also the controllers itself the hardware became really similar. Yeah, you don't see much. Uh, I don't think it's a healthy path for any any headset to create like a controller that's totally different from the other ones. Um, so this uh, this is good. Like the port for the PlayStation, for example, the 1989 when we did the port, um, the game it was it was like two months of work just to port the game uh, to PlayStation. Things changed, the, the, the shaders, everything was pink. The, we had to update Unity. It was a nightmare. And this time when we ported to PlayStation, I was like, we need to be careful. This is going to be... I was so worried. And it took us like... The first build we did was so smooth. The game was already all working. We had few bugs, but it, the port took like one week. Uh, until, and then we were kind of like together already just polishing the game. It was no surprise. And we were like, yes, finally. We made it. Now VR is finally working. So you are working with Unity for, for the production yeah. title. Uh, what did you use this technology? What are the advantages? I understand that it's more like a more seamless porting than one of that you mentioned, but maybe there are some other things that make Unity like a better fit even for VR games in particular. Um, for us, we, we, we build... Um, 2D platform games too. And Unity is famous to be really good for 2D um, sprites, animations. Uh, 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 we don't, you can do Unreal in Unreal, but Unity kind of has this really great support for 2D too. <laughs> so this, in particularly for Pixel Ripped, is really good because we have to build many games. We build the 2D game and we build the VR world. Uh, both Unreal and Unity are really good for VR. And I don't think that there will be a struggle. Also, um, a Unity in the company, all developers are used to Unity, so that uh, to go to Unreal would be a total big change in the company. We're actually studying Unreal too, um, but uh, they they make all the company use Unity nowadays, so it would be a big switch to to Unreal. Uh, I have been using Unity for like uh, also around twelve. 11 years, yeah, 11 years. And most people in the company have been like years using. So we are, 
it's a it's a platform that we feel comfortable and we we know a lot and there's a lot of people really like specialized in unity so um i feel that's like one of the big reasons i wouldn't say like an unity is better or rio is better in vr for the platform but for the game there is no reason we would go for unreal today like unity is doing the job we have been we don't know the pixel franchise with unity and especially for the 2d game i would say it's 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 a it's something that make us stay with unity too because we have to build a separate game it's not just one it's like we actually have scenes separated for the 2d game we could release that game separately it's totally another game so tell me a little bit about distribution. You kind of touched a little bit on that, and especially sure. the distribution for VR titles. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, where do you go now? Like, what are the the good platforms to start? How do you adapt your game for the, you know, for the platform, like in terms of screenshots, videos, and, you know, all the other elements mm -hmm. that are required? Well, I mean, Anna was touching on this earlier, and I, and I think like it's true across every element of, of VR right now, it, where it, we've evolved and we've matured quite dramatically in how we do all of those things. So, you know, years ago, you would launch uh, a new VR game and, you, you know, porting it between platforms was very difficult. Um, what platforms were the most successful? Who, where was the audience was changing years over year? Um, and what we're seeing now is that there's a more uni unification of, of the platform types so that we can go to uh, Quest, uh, the Meta Quest, and, and, then, and then also bring it to these other platforms pretty simply. Um, there's still a developing market for the home console. So uh, we're showing the game on PlayStation VR 2 today, and we really think that that's a cool platform where it's really accessible for lots of people. But then there's also a lot of people who are on MetaQuest. I mean, it's probably the biggest individual market for VR titles right now. But then we also have communities on Steam. People on Steam, people on HTC. There's Picos doing a lot of stuff. So there, um, there are a lot of, of these platforms now. But what is making things a lot easier is that um, those platforms know it's better for them if like it's it's easier for us to bring the games across all of those spaces because you know even though it's a little bit more established it's still like again as Anna was saying it the the iPhone solution has the iPhone proliferation of VR has not necessarily happened yet um, and so we really still need to do our part to bring the game to as many of the VR enthusiasts across the the different platforms as we can so. I had these conversations with a lot of uh, VCs last year and they were saying that they were actually making a lot of money in, in VR and it was a very successful kind of avenue for them. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the numbers? Like I know you're probably don't want Man, to I don't, I don't really know. I wouldn't be a good person to give you those numbers, but I can tell you from where I was back in the day where I remember having meetings with like Steam and they would tell you how many titles on steam which was the main place to buy vr titles at the time how many of those titles were able to break a million dollars or how many were able to sell a hundred thousand units and it was so small compared to how much product was coming to market and now you hear about it more and more from lots of different people um you know that their game is able to break through studios are able to operate on their own revenue they're not necessarily only uh, surviving off of off of uh, funding coming from VCs or other places, and um, I think it's 
uh, you know, someone once told me that you'll know VR is successful when people are not talking about it anymore. Meaning like people were very obsessed with talking about and investing in VR during a period of time. It was almost overhyped during that period. And it feels like now things have really settled in and it's become more, it's, it's an operating ecosystem now. Um, it's still not as massive as a console market, but um, it's growing and um, becoming better. So I, I don't have any real numbers. Um, you know, this is this is actually for Atari. This is kind of our first real big VR title. So after release, we'll probably have some more numbers to look at. Um, but when we when we came into this with Arvory, it feel it felt very uh, much more safe of a, of a of an opportunity for us to become financially involved in than 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 a VR title would have been three years ago. So how do you feel about? I know you're kind of like in the middle of this experience and you're showing this game to everybody and there's still sales to be had. But overall, do you feel like Atari would like to continue these experiments with VR? Where do you see VR in the next, let's say, five, three years? Do you feel like we're going to have kind of more of the same kind of like a flat platforms are going to grow a little bit? Or is there an iPhone moment coming? Again, I don't know. And the iPhone, yeah, the iPhone moment's been something that people have been talking about like since the beginning. Um, and so to break that up into a couple different answers, one, Atari would love to continue to make VR. Um, I think that one of the things I love about VR is it gives people who aren't traditionally gamers an opportunity to participate and interact with, um, with a game in a way that is, feels more intuitive and allows them to sort of break down the barriers in a lot of ways of like what a game controller is and allow them to like have an interactive immersive experience. And I think that Atari actually, um, and a lot of our IPs are really about trying to get people to, and all people playing video games and having fun. And n not many of our video games are very like obtuse or difficult to play. Our, our mantra in a lot of ways is like easy to pick up and play, difficult to master. And so that really blends well, I think, with VR and what VR has an opportunity to give a mass market. I am surprised all the time I go to friends' houses and they have a quest, and I'm like, I didn't know that you were you were a video game person. And they're like, oh, we're not. Uh, they don't have a they don't their kids play games on the iPad. They don't own a Switch. They don't own anything else. But they went and bought an Oculus and I or a Meta Quest. And I think that 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 to me shows that the industry is kind of growing into that community of people who aren't traditionally gamers but like to have that experience. And I think Atari in the past was able to really do that well in bringing video games and the ability to control your television into many, many homes. So it feels like a natural pairing that we want to continue to do. Has to be the right games, has to be the right developers we're working with, but yeah, we want to continue to do it. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.